Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Six Feet Under, Season 2, Episode 7, Back to the Garden is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, you already know we're going through every single episode of this season. My name is Ariel, and I am here with somebody who helps me put up the scaffolding next to my house. It's Dr. Amanda. What's up, Amanda? Um, hi, Ariel. I was just hoping that my my uh, five o'clock shadow is at the right level of sexy stubbleness for the podcast. I know it's going to peak in like another hour. This took me out. This took me out. I can't. It was so ridiculous. Oh, my God, Nate. This is like the peak, Nate. This is like everything that we have ever, everything that Nate has ever worked towards is revealed in this moment. It's so Nate, funny. I can't wait yeah. to talk about it. Nate has not put a lot of thought into a lot of things, but peak stubble sexiness <laughs> is a topic that he has devoted his full attention to. Um, I'm yes. great, how, Ariel. How did you uh, How did you feel about getting back to the garden? <laughs> um, oh, well, um, I've been practicing my Joni Mitchell impression. First of all, <laughs> nobody can sing along to Joni Mitchell in the entire world. <laughs> You're like a Ruth defender. I love it. No, mm -hmm. it's it's very hard. It's very specific. There's a lot of up and downs. Mm -hmm. Claire's not the only freak who has stood in her kitchen alone trying <laughs> to do it. Um, I love I love that moment and what what it says about a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a little cassette that you have that you wrote Aww. Sarah songs on it? Dr. Amanda saw. <laughs> No, it was. I thought everybody said Sarah's songs. Like that was the thing. It's a good name. It's a good name. If your name is Sarah, I hope that you made a cassette tape called. Sarah. I hope that you're happy. I hope you're happy. <laughs> this was for you. This was for you and only for you. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to talk about this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that we didn't have to wait too long to get to the Topanga. Yeah, that was like a kind of like a hanging thread for mm -hmm. a previous thing. Um. 
Let's get into the to the quick plot recap. We're already Let's here starting, right? Uh, okay, written by Jill Soloway, directed by Dan Attias. Uh, death by autoerotic asphyxiation is how we begin this, this week's episode. Fun fact, this is how I learned about autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> yeah, as, I remember child. watching this now. I'm like, yeah, there's no way I would have heard of this before. Um, certainly not at that age that I was back then. Uh, it's crazy. Look how ahead of the curve the show was in so many different ways. Um, the deceased was Jewish, leading Nate to seek out some spiritual enlightenment from the uh, rabbi who's going to perform the the services, uh, specifically regarding his ABM diagnosis and like the nature of life and death. What else is new with Nate? Uh, he wants to feel close to Brenda, but of course. Brenda is looking to cross more lines. She's figuring out her own life. Uh, after Brenda's mom laughs in her face at the news of their engagement, Brenda is seeking thrills in sex with a stranger, at least in her head. Um, will Brenda and Nate ever get on the same page? I don't know. I don't know if they're in the same book. Uh, meanwhile, Ruth. Uh, Ruth's home, her actual home, is empty as Claire is leaving to go visit her Aunt Sarah uh, at the aforementioned Topeka Canyon, finally. And at least that's how I think it goes in Claire's head. Like, I need to get the F out of here. Nikolai cancels dinner with her, even though she bought aubergines. Aubergines, not the aubergines, Ruth. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I in the same room with you and you're ignoring me? Uh, thankfully, Robbie is free for dinner, though. He gets the last minute invite. And it's here at this dinner table after Ruth fantasizes kind of about telling Robbie to shut up, or at least also in her own head. She's kind of through with the plan and it's reno renovation metaphors. So it seems like she's closing the door to her house. We'll have to see. Uh, Claire is now at Topanga Canyon, as I keep saying, because I love saying that phrase. Uh, she visits her Aunt Sarah and Aunt Sarah thought it was a different weekend. Did we not talk about this is my nightmare? like showing up to a place and getting this response. Uh, but the thing is, it's actually not just on Sarah being like kind of whack and bitchy to her. It's she has this like debaucherous weekend plan. Oh, uh, hippie boomer central here. Owl night extravaganza of drug fueled partying. It's there that Claire meets Toby who surprises her by not being a total a-hole and <laughs> wants to exchange numbers when uh, she's leaving the next morning. Or when once the weekend is over, Rico, meanwhile, oof, he's in for his own kind of party. He's suspicious that his wife is having an affair with his cousin Ramon, and he sneaks away from the funeral home to come home and finds Ramon, yes, having sex with someone. It is not uh, Vanessa, his wife. It is another man. Of course, Ramon freaks. Uh, excuse me. Of course, Rico freaks out and has the worst reaction possible. Uh, I mean, it is in his house, we'll get to it. Uh, and he, there seems to be some kind of disconnect, let's say between them, there, you will no longer be doing the construction in the house. And the episode ends for Rico with him having an opinion about like Ramon's relationship uh, and just kind of sitting up, not like telling anyone what happened, but just feeling like he has solved a problem, let's mm. say. Um, and David and Keith finally reunite after Keith very unceremoniously ends things with Eddie. 
and he's really bad at having private conversations that aren't in front of a kid. We'll get to that. Uh, but uh, David and Keith's reunion is interrupted by Taylor's emergency appendectomy. It's like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. The surgery goes well, though, thankfully, which is good because Taylor's been through enough, according to Jess. And that is our recap. Mm. Uh, where should we start, do you think? Well, let's see. I I would love to start with um let's start with Nate and his uh emotional journey into Jewish perspectives on death with the sexy rabbi. Yes, sexy rabbi played by Molly Parker, who I love from uh Deadwood. She was really good on House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Most recently she was in uh Lost in Space, which was like she, yeah, she's also in um the Party Down uh oh, reboot yeah, season. Reboot. She reboot, has yeah. like an affair like a she has a, a a night with um with Ken Marino's character, Ron Donald, which I which I love. So um yeah she's very fun. Um yeah this is I thought that this was interesting we get our first jewish funeral at the fisher home because the way the deceased died ariel they decided it was better not to have this one in the temple (laughs) i love when they ask have you done uh jewish funerals before and the way david is like yes and then then nate 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 looks over he's like he's like i'm gonna cheat (laughs) off of him for this right exactly david's like absolutely he's oh we know this we've said it before david is always in for the cell he doesn't care what he has to say yes we've done that before i will google it later (laughs) um the the yes they will do it the way it is really interesting because this is clearly was a foreign concept for the time the autoerotic asphyxiation Mm -hmm. Um, and we were just, we were just innocent babes, Ariel. (laughs) We had no idea the way of the world. We need, we didn't have Rico to explain the whole thing (laughs) to us, but the lemon is, I love how Rico's like, I know all about this. I do know this. Uh, I was once told by someone else, a stranger about the lemon My cousin Ramon told me about it. Yeah, my cousin Ramon told me about this. Uh, it's. It's just so sad that this person died alone doing this very inherently selfish thing and obviously left their family. But then like the sadder thing of like their family not knowing, I guess you could argue it's a kindness that they're spared the information that this person has died so like senselessly. But it's really upsetting like because she thinks that her husband committed suicide, which is incredibly tragic. Um. Yeah, yeah. I this is so this like this breath play as it's called, we find out later from Melissa. Um <laughs> another person who said too much. <laughs> it's like, oops, I mean I've been told. I don't know. Um, yeah, I thought that this was interesting that we get like this first foray into like a Jewish funeral here at Fisher and Sons. I have to say, like, this does David and, and Nate do not seem like they've spent very much time around Jewish people, nor was did anybody who wrote this episode spend that much time. It really was like a caricature of what like a Jewish tra- faith tradition would be like, oh, Jews, they, they tend to answer questions with more questions. And here at the Shiva, we're going to have actual stand up comedians just doing shtick um literally like that was that was the part that was hilariously uh almost inappropriate mm-hmm. like 
an actual stand-up comedian like wow that's that's definitely putting uh putting jewish lawyers in a box i will yeah then then also you know the um you know i think david says to nate like oh one of the jewish friends is in there is it like and it's 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 ross i guess they're like which one it's hilarious i love the i love the references this episode somebody Um, googled 10 things about jews the way that the way the 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 yarmulke sits like ever so awkwardly Mm. on Nate's head there's just something there was something really funny about i love when a gentile wears a yarmulke it's like (laughs) i love it so it's really your favorite version of nate (laughs) it's like ooh, nate all of a sudden you look so different perfect perfect level of stubble you got that amazing, amazing moment between nate and david where Nate is assessing, like you keep saying, the level of stubble mm-hmm. that David has, and it isn't quite peaked yet. He's like, eh, maybe about like noon tomorrow, I think is what he says. And then he completely clocks, like he is just like reading uh, David like a book. I mean, David mm-hmm. makes it so easy, but there's, I love the like sibling relationship here. And he's like, oh, were you going shopping for clothes? And David's like, uh, no. And then he says, Stay out of structure. Stay out of structure. Does structure still exist? I was trying to Google this like a, a few minutes ago. The they were owned by Sears. I don't think they're still around. Mm, it uh, was established in 1989 as the men's clothing brand by Express. I kind of feel like this is like low key ditch, dissing uh, Brenda's wardrobe because Brenda is definitely shopping at Express in this yes, episode. And it's a Sears bought structure from limited brands speaking yes. of Brenda wow hilarious full circle moment on the wardrobe we get um, it we get it. we was... were there and we were we were at the mall in the 90s we we at, when he said structure I was like oh my god not structure <laughs> like I had forgotten about structure I like shopping there shame on me um the so what what is what is the ideal level of stubble Ariel I, you strike me as somebody who's figured uh, this out I think I think that, you know, I hate to admit it, but I think that Nate is like both onto something in this moment and clearly <laughs> like knows what looks best on him. There have been moments mm. where he's like the stubble has gone too far when he's like an emotional. The class. sideburns. But like the sideburn here is so prominent. Mm-hmm. And I think we have seen the stubbled version of Nate so many times. Where I'm like, wow, he has spent like an inordinate amount of time thinking about yes. this and perfecting this idiotic art. Perfect, perfect character note for Nate here that he is the the master of stubble. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you know, it's the ownership. It's like butthead, but positive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's embrace your butthead side. It's not all bad. Buttheadedness. Um, but yeah, he's talking to, to Rabbi Molly Parker. <laughs> yeah, does, Ra- does Rabbi have a name? She probably does, but she's mostly referred to as, as Rabbi, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, but Nate wants to talk to her about, I love that Nate is just like willing to talk to anyone about this except Brenda. It's hilarious. Like men would rather tell anyone except their significant other about what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that... Men you know, will literally like, hit on a rabbi at a funeral instead of go to therapy. Going to therapy or telling their girlfriend about their <laughs> diagnosis. Their fiance, Jesus Christ. 
Um, oh, the, I can't wait to talk about Soulmate. The, the way soulmate that, that he is so quickly able to connect with with the rabbi mm-hmm. and just like very matter of factly like wonder almost out loud while he's asking her, you know, what should I do with my time? Like this is like tragic, tragic stuff. Like Nate is walking around like he's a ticking time bomb, which I guess in some sense he is, but like he's he's making it worse and this feels like a carousel of like or he's like uh, a better analogy is like he's swiping through a catalog of different religions and he's like "Eh, let Mm -hmm. me see what the jewish one has to say yeah and he's like oh especially because there's like this pretty rabbi here then maybe she's a good person to ask about this Uh, at some point he imagines like that Brenda is the grieving widow. So clearly he's thinking about like the fact that he's now about to marry somebody and he knows that he has this potentially fatal condition and he might be leaving her, maybe leaving her with a child, which makes it more tragic. Um, So, you know, again, this is like similar to what we've seen from Nate in other episodes of him searching for meaning. I sort of wish that this show, like I looked up, but it's, um, Joey Soloway, um, who has like a really uh, strong pedigree in television and film, including Transparent and, mm-hmm. um, you know, addition to Six Feet Under, also just a number of other um, like she, Hoop Dreams, Dirty Sexy Money, Grey's Anatomy. Oh my God, Dirty uh, Sexy Money, a show that Nate was on, Peter Krause. Uh, oh, I love Dick. Um, you mm-hmm. know, so tell me more uh, about the- yourself. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, moving right along. No, um, I just felt like there wasn't a like. I just feel like this Jewish perspective wasn't actually a Jewish perspective in any kind of deep and meaningful way, mm-hmm. and I was hoping to get more of a different kind of view of the afterlife and relationship with life and maybe something that was like a little bit more rooted in Judaism. And I'm no Talmudic scholar myself, no. like, please don't get me wrong, but I didn't feel like there was anything deep in the way that this rabbi was portraying the Jewish point of view. And in fact, like at the point where she kind of like scoffs at the fact that Brenda isn't, Nate's soulmate like it's just like this is just not something I just don't feel like this is like what a rabbi would say like especially I feel like Judy like I this soul first of all like soulmate I it's like the soul the word soulmate it's like the soul is like I may be talking out of school, but it's like, it felt like that feels to me like a little bit more of a Christian concept Mm -hmm. than, and then this idea that like I mean, marriage is a lot about like obligation and like there's lots of reasons to get married. And I don't think that any I don't think that any faith leader would like immediately like criticize somebody for marrying somebody that wasn't their soulmate, whatever that like, what are we 13 rabbi? What's your name? (laughs) Yeah, there's a way in which like the 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 complicated layer of her clearly being interested in him in some way Mm -hmm. is is coloring in some of this like when he when she finds out right that he about like brenda's existence and she's kind of like oh mm, never mind god nate you're so perfect if only this is like all women apparently at least women in seattle and not this rabbi oh yeah um one five and ten women think it's incredible uh 
the yeah i and i to the point of like what we get i feel like any other time a lot of times even the the quote from that book that i can't say the uh bagad the bagad vida yeah yes even that was like it was such a small moment and quote but like it just felt like it had so much more to reveal to us to reveal to Nate to talk to say something about his state of mind like this felt very kind of like shoehorned in again to my point of like just the catalog of like oh let's see what this like Jewish perspective is but like it's like a not even a Wikipedia page entry mm, yeah um so that's like man that's not super great I mean obviously we're seeing Nate again like go to everyone else except Brenda um and it's sad. It is. It is really sad. It's. It, I guess it's good that he ultimately lost his virginity when he was so young, because clearly he's so worried about like dying. So uh, <laughs> I try yeah. To put a positive spin on it. Yeah, but I mean, it's like clear that this is getting in the way now of like Nate's connection to Brenda. The fact that like he's uh, w- willing to talk to anybody about mm. this thing that he's going through, except right. for Brenda, and like while this is happening and like Nate is like searching for these like meaningful, fulfilling conversations about the nature of life and death with anyone who will listen, Brenda is fantasizing about having sex with complete strangers. She can't help herself, Brenda, right? She's, uh, she's looking across more line across more lines as Jess said before. I feel like, you know, and their engagement and the way she talks to to Melissa, right, is her friend, mm-hmm. the uh, the sex worker who Brenda is now just like a leech for in some ways, like getting information from her. Like, yeah, she wants to hang out with her because she wants, you know, to have a friend, to have companionship, but also like she's clearly just bored with her own life and wants to be continually hanging out with someone who she perceives to have a more interesting life than her. Um, and Brenda, thankfully, also has her mom to laugh in her face at any opportune time. This is crazy. The conversations that she has with her mom and the way those things happen when like her mom and her are laughing at the restaurant. They seem to be doing like sake shots. Uh huh. No, they're competitive crazying right now. (laughs) This is the, you thought the Olympics weren't until the summer. The Olympics are here and they're the Olympics of crazy between Brenda and her mom. And Brenda's mom tries to apologize. And this is this is really funny because she does seem to be she wants to apologize, but then she immediately wants Brenda to apologize. Well, aren't you gonna apologize for slapping me? And I'm like, no, no one should apologize. For that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she so Margaret is like incredibly difficult, as we've already seen before, and continues to be. And then we get this moment where Brenda comes and visits her mother in her new apartment because she and Bernard are separating and Brenda, you know, is trying to like, wants to be there for her, like wants to connect. And when, you know, when Margaret gets upset, Brenda wants to rub her shoulder. She wants to get her tea and Margaret just snaps and tells her like, I'm not Billy. If you want to take care of me, just leave. This was like kind of out of left field. Like I just felt like it was such a jump to this, I don't know, like extreme place. And to bring up Billy, I do love that the show is doing a good job of like bringing up Billy every once in a while, like Mm -hmm. not letting us forget. I think it's interesting. Um, But Brenda just got there and her mom's like, oh, 
this is too much. I think you should leave. Like being so dramatic. Yeah. And then the fact is, I want to go cry in my room for an hour. Um, and of course, like uh, once again, she can't. The only way that she knows how to break up a conversation with her daughter is by like insulting her, basically. Like, I just think it's it's really sad to see Brenda like yeah. mostly trying, but also she's like stuck in this cycle, I'm sure herself with her mom here as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like meant to give quite a bit of context to why Brenda is so incapable of providing consistent love and support to another human being, because like, this is where she comes from. And like, we see that Brenda is trying to reach Nate at various points in this episode and call him. He like is rejecting her calls because Mm -hmm. he's like occupied with talking to the rabbi and like dealing with his own issues. And this is like kind of together fueling Brenda's interest in just like trying to find this intimacy from these uncomplicated like random places like fantasizing about the guy who pulls up in the car next to her Mm -hmm. um i did mention brenda's like business casual like express wear like this skirt that she's wearing this like gray (laughs) like she's the thing about brenda is like the enigma of brenda's wardrobe is that like she dresses like sort of conservatively almost Mm -hmm. like matronly like Mm -hmm. it's a very business casual and then like she acts very like casual friday yeah and just another instance you would think of like her trying to present a certain way and then you know subvert that with she looks like she should be like dressing the way like the crew at sarah's at the how weekend is dressing like you know <laughs> yeah. like topless in the low-rise jeans the gourds? Wearing... you mean the gourds, the gourds? The gourds. <laughs> to wear her gourds um i love a gourd reference i don't know mm-hmm. there's something about that word not necessarily the way it's used here but just the word in general <laughs> that i find interesting um yeah, it's 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 Brenda feeling like mm-hmm. she can't do anything right. And of course, that's just going to push her further into the I'm not sure what to do space. And I don't know if I should be marrying Nate. Like, clearly, mm-hmm. this is all her acting out in some way uh, because she's feeling literally suffocated by him. Uh, like last mm-hmm. episode, in her fantasy. And this will this will end well, I'm sure. Like this, <laughs> this is this is going great for them. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, that- it- the fact that Nate at the end is like, no, I don't want to play dress up with you. I don't want to play intruder, stranger danger with you. I just want to make love to you and keep telling you how much I love you. And this is like another version of him suffocating her. Exactly. Exactly. The way that they're so not on the same page in that final scene of intimacy between them. Brenda wants him to barge in and be a sexy intruder, but like he mm-hmm. just wants to look into exactly. her eyes and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Look so, at me. Look at me when I say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there. The, 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 this is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe these two crazy kids, Ariel, I just, I think that they're going to make it work. I don't know. I have hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I literally don't remember. So this is all very, very interesting to me. Um, but speaking of uh, whether they're going to make it work, we have David and Keith. So Keith breaks up with Eddie. Very, very when abruptly. Keith pulls Eddie over to be like, let's go talk over here on the other side of the same room where Taylor can still hear us. I was like, look, I know this is TV, but like, this is insane, right? Like, this is crazy. You're not doing this right. 
Poor yeah. Taylor always hearing the conversation when she shouldn't be hearing it. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, but here, Eddie's inability to see anything because of his lack of depth perception mm -hmm. leads to him getting broken up with. You can move the car yourself, which is actually probably dangerous for him with his vision problems. Oh, good point. Yeah, they sort of let this escalate like very, very quickly. Like they've been planting these seeds. It's like, oh, he doesn't like racquetball. Like, oh, they're doing <laughs> it's like all of a sudden it's like this relationship is over. It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> You're not, we're not soulmates. This is, this is, they're the, they're the, you know, textbook example of not soulmates. Mm. Um, and Keith takes it upon himself to call David to be like, hey girl, hey, I just want to like share this newest tea that I have broken up with my ex. And David's like, uh, what? okay, like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. What did Keith want David to say? I love that he's just like, all right, thank you for telling me. I've got to go. <laughs> 
I appreciate it. It's just like, oh, by the way, food. you left your lights on. I saw that your car is parked at the corner. You like, it's like, that's the way David <laughs> receives the information. I think I saw Eddie stealing your car uh, <laughs> earlier in a different when I was driving by. Um, I do love that from Keith, though. I mean, from David, though, because like, this is a little bit less of the of the doormat, right, David? Even though Keith will call him a doormat later, um, and David's like, "Okay, you literally told me that you didn't want to talk to me anymore, that we shouldn't see each other, and now you're calling me to tell me you broke up with your boyfriend." It's like kind of um, high school. I don't even know what to call it, but it's just like very. Very yeah. immature, at least. Yeah, poor David has been getting his emotions toyed with by Keith all of this time. Like, I thought that this was a great, like, uh, reveal, Ariel, at the beginning when we see, like, the fantasy of David, like, running over in the rain and, like, professing his love to Keith. And they Were embrace. you crying? No. Well, I, yes. Uh, it was raining. <laughs> It's like I was so and and David. I was sure it was David's fantasy, yes. and then you get the reveal that it's like no, that's Keith's that's fantasy, Keith, which just makes the David being all wet so much more ridiculous and funny because that's kind of the way that mm-hmm. Keith sees David. It's like he's just perpetually either crying or getting wet in the rain. It's really really funny. Um, he's helpless, and then finally Keith is like. All right, fine. Like they keep, I love that there, there's this, escal- speaking of the escalation, like mm-hmm. you said, of like his breakup with Eddie and how quickly that came. There's this escalation of like these very quick phone calls between them. And Keith is like, all right, fine. I, do you want to have dinner with me? Like almost like begrudgingly, which is its own kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David, once again, like kind of rising above the snark and being like, fine, sure. I'll <laughs> let's let's do this thing that clearly i've been dying for and i'll pretend like Mm -hmm. i didn't want it and uh what could go wrong yeah yeah and then it looks like david's getting stood up but we we very quickly find out that no like keith is at the hospital with taylor because it turns out all the time that she was saying she had a tummy ache she actually did have a tummy ache and it wasn't like some childhood acting out thing this is hard because I remember being a kid and like faking being sick, but then like what happens? It's the kid mm. who cried appendectomy, right? Like how do right. you how do you say and the fact that Keith is like, we have to have a code word for when you're not lying. And, and she's, she's like, like, but I was never lying. And he's like, shh, be quiet. <laughs> Like, that's truly awful. This oh, poor girl. I feel poor so girl. Um, Ariel, did you know mm. that my appendix burst? Stop. You're like my brother. You're one of those. I'm one How of them. You? I'm so glad you're okay. Where I'm walking you? around appendix list. Wow. No wonder you're so light on your feet. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm positively buoyant. Um, yeah. Yeah. How my appendix. Somewhere dangerous. When my appendix. Well, I was five months pregnant, and my appendix. Stop. Burned. Oh, my mm-hmm. oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that common? And no, it is not. It's not. Um, So that was fun, but it is extremely painful. And I like didn't recognize that it was appendix pain because like McBurney's point. You should have known. No, I don't know what that is, but that's from Grey's Anatomy. Speaking of Grey's, wow! If I had only watched more Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) is it in the third or fourth quadrant? Yeah. Um. That's crazy. I'm so glad you're okay and that we can talk and about And Taylor's it. okay. We're all okay. We're all okay. And now and, okay. and and 
<laughs> and David has sho- shows up at the hospital because he's so supportive. He sleeps on the chair outside. Now his stubble is speaking. Exactly. Now and that's sl- what I thought. I was like, he had to stay. <laughs> Nay <Nate> was right. <laughs> he was like, I'm not wasting this stubble. No, I know that I'm holding a structure outfit. I don't I'm care what a few Nate hours away. Um I do love, I mean, you and I keep talking about the way that like Taylor and David mm-hmm. have this kind of um I don't know, very sweet, supportive relationship in a way, even though it's very few and far between moments that we've actually gotten. But here, the way like Keith is the adult like happening upon the two children, I thought was kind of interesting of like, you know, Taylor and David and the way that Keith just kind of smiles and is is burning perhaps a little bit brighter to quote the pilot of the series uh, because David stayed there and didn't leave. Yeah, I think that there's a way, like there's a very like sweet way that David and Taylor connect, I think on this level that like, I find this with children that they can kind of bring this out of you, but like you relate to them on such like a basic emotional level, like being stripped of all of the like adult artifice that we put around our feelings, like all of the structures, all of the buttresses and scaffoldings. And it's like, just this like very true emotional core. And I think at David's emotional core, he's like also a scared child that didn't have anybody that made him feel loved and protected, like in the way that Taylor probably feels too. And I think that that's also probably why David feels like safe with this big like cop who's like always knows what's right. It's like this kind of way of like looking for that safe adult. Mm -hmm. And I think that he and Taylor relate on that level, which is really sweet. Yeah. I'd love their, that's not something that I ever remembered uh thinking about in my head when i first watched it and i love the ways like uh, the show just reveals the 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 complicated layers of of so many different relationships i love it mm-hmm. um and Topeka that... Canyon should we go to Topeka Canyon we have to we have to go you have to... to see the canyon at this time of year <laughs> Ariel it is just gorgeous David just ask David who got lost in the canyon for hours wasn't he like didn't he get stuck in a bramble is that yeah he got we're... scratched by a bramble <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> but yes the famous Divergenizing compound. Wow. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, and that's like one of the funny things that like Claire could have said and didn't when mm-hmm. she was talking to Ruth about going in the first place. So she was like, look, the thing that happened to Nate, like literally cannot happen to me anymore because I have made my own adult decisions. Um, and I love that Claire kind of is telling Ruth there's a way in which like Ruth feels mm-hmm. even more isolated because now her youngest child is like not really asking for permission, more kind of like telling her what she's going to do. Um, she arrives, like we said, on Sarah's like, oh, shit, is that this weekend? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but again, I'm glad it wasn't the like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, you could have come. Of course, it's OK. And just like her not wanting her there. And just because, again, she has the the Howl mm-hmm. Night Hippie Party. And I love the moment where it's like in full swing and uh, somebody's like, the mushrooms, the mushrooms. Oh, you must saute them. Do you have the THC butter from last year in the freezer still? I love, love all the prep 
and yes oh well this is how this is how boomer hippies party ariel like they they have prepared all of the mise en place (laughs) it's about efficiency at the end of the day i mean i am i am i am a child of boomer hippies so like this is a, a little bit re-traumatizing. Nothing to this extent, but like I have to say, like the I, I know these people. I've been. <laughs> people. I love this. I yeah. cannot wait to dissect this further <laughs> later on in a different oh, venue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But speaking of Topanga Canyon, like I feel like all of Boy Meets World is here because bootleg <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas shows up to sweep Claire off of Air her set. <laughs> yes topanga topanga tomato tomato uh he's like hey do you want to like hang out he actually is in some ways hilariously speaking of boys who are like the 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 safest most wholesome version of like a guy that right. age that claire seems to have ever come across it's uh, the alex keaton effect it's mm-hmm. like when you're the child of boomer hippies and you mm-hmm. end up becoming like a young republican with jonathan taylor thomas there <laughs> with the part with the middle with the part. part with the middle part of this guy was so funny to me like i love what he's like you know, as at, at, at age 19, I've had all the important life experiences and I've learned that, like, you don't have sex without love. Like, OK, guy, that's, that's what you've learned. That's what you've all your years. I was all like, that's so And also, like, meanwhile, we have Claire here who's like literally been like at gunpoint and like long. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like Claire's been through some major life experiences. Mm-hmm. And she's not going around talking about how it's changed her as a person. She's literally just trying to find herself, which is a mm-hmm. sign of uh, emotional we love Claire. We are we Claire stands to the very end. Claire stands from day one, day infinity, forever and always. And her like reaction to him of like, okay, like whatever you say, dude, like there's nothing. It kind of doesn't matter whether it's, he's being facetious or not. It's like, I don't like, really want to have not. sex with you anyway. It's like, no, thank you, please, is basically what she says. <laughs> and he's like, all right, fine, let's lay here together. And she's still kind of like, uh, and he's like, I'm not going to have sex with you. And she's like, yeah, you're not because I don't want to. <laughs> like, that's, that's the vibe here, but whatever. Uh, the subtext. And then... You know, they exchange numbers. Lots of number exchanging in shows that I've been watching recently. Ooh. Um, um, so maybe so maybe Toby, is that his name? It sounds like it could be his name. <laughs> maybe Toby. he'll come back. Maybe he's the one for our young player. <laughs> this is, I can tell, this is this- like the ultimate pairing right here. This is OTP, one true pairing. When he says, like, you you are a major fox, I am pleased to report. <laughs> Who are you reporting to? <laughs> major fox reporting for duty. <laughs> he wants to report on her gourds. That's oh, all he God. wants. Not the gourds. Not the gourds. That fire was way too high and mm-hmm. uh, unwieldy for my for my taste. But um yeah, Claire. So Claire came out of the canyon with a number. That's not bad. She came out with a number. Yeah, I mean, yeah. David had a bramble like <laughs> scar, and you know, and uh, Nate had lost his virginity. So a number. I think that's a pretty good happy medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is great. We love Claire making like healthy, mature decisions, mm-hmm. uh, and literally doing what she wants, not what somebody else uh, wants of her. Yeah. Um, 
Ruth but has a of- hard time with this trip. Yes, I was going to say, speaking of gourds, let's talk about <laughs> aubergines. <laughs> aubergines. Oh, my gosh. I think that gourds and aubergines are both in the nightshade family. Oh, you're so right. And that could be... <laughs> Apparently eating too much can be bad for certain people's guts. Like some people. Wow. Oh no. Is this all about gut health, Ariel? (laughs) Listen, I have this new group that I just joined and it's all there. It's all about like, it's called the plant. Yeah. It's like, instead of a house, you have like a food pyramid and you have to like (laughs) fill it with like gourds and aubergines, whatever. I'm still working out how I'm going to make money off of this thing. Um, but why does Ruth call eggplants aubergines? Is she British? Where, where does this come so from? So funny to me because everyone's like, we all know you're just saying eggplants. Like, <laughs> that's not you can't just say aubergines and like expect them to be fancy. Yes, you can have like the smaller eggplants that like probably taste better. But mm, at the end of the, the day, Japanese eggplants. I don't know what she's doing to the eggplant because I have to say I'm sorry. That pork chop dish looked. Bland as <laughs> hell. Those potatoes, the those three three lined up boiled potatoes sprouts. Yes, the potato. I just, I was like, I hope the meat at least has flavor because it doesn't look mm-hmm. like the potatoes of the Brussels sprouts have flavor. So like this Greek recipe that she has for the, I think aubergine, it's a, I think it's a moussaka. That's moussaka, my guess. Not moussaka, the way <laughs> they make fun of her in my big fat Greek wedding part one. Um, moussaka is delicious. I think you're mm-hmm. onto something. Mm-hmm. And I think that Ruth thought she was onto something inviting Nikolai, but thankfully Robbie is there to eat her moussaka uh, moussaka probably, question mark? I think you're right, actually. And then, but Ruth is so busy fantasizing about him shutting up. This Mm -hmm. was like a turning point for her. No more plan. She, she She has her diploma. I guess it's time to move on. I hate I hate Ruth in this episode. And like often I find Ruth really hard to take. Um, I love it. Like I love it. But she as a person, like as a the way that she's portrayed, it's very hard to take. Um, right. I know what you mean. She like, first of all, she tries to deny Claire from going to visit Sarah. She's clearly unhappy about it. Um, yeah. And then and then like, you know, we have her lonely dinners which is like very sad but like sometimes girl you're gonna have to eat a meal by yourself okay it's like it's not your children's job to take care of you all the time and it's like and and if you're lonely then you have to cultivate other parts of your life like let's forget the house let's look at the garden are we watering our flowers are we nurturing what else is in the neighborhood is it just your house that sounds like an awful neighborhood yeah yeah so she you know, so I would, so, you know, Nikolai always wants to come for dinner and like, so that's great. And he cancels these plans because who knows what he's dealing with. Report, in those reports books. are not good. <laughs> no, the returns are down. They're in the red. And when she invites over Robbie, I was like, yes, girl, like make a friend, gay yeah. bestie. Let's do this, Ruth. This yes. is what you need. And then when Robbie comes over, like he's just Doing the like plan psychobabble that Ruth has been like subjecting everybody to for all of these days, like a machine gun, like shooting off housing <laughs> metaphors. And now, like, when she listens to Robbie, who's like her friend, she has no time for it. And it's like, there's no generosity from Ruth. There's no, I meet you halfway, I yeah. give what I get. It's all sitting there feeling victimized and disappointed yeah. in other people. 
Right. And taking everything personally. I think there's something really interesting about because I was in my head taking David to task a little bit when Ruth invites him to dinner and mm -hmm. he's on the phone and he's kind of like, no, mom, I won't be joining you for dinner. I was like, well, there was a nice way of saying that. of just like, right. No, oh my God. Th thank you so much. But I, I really appreciate it. I won't be joining you tonight. Like something that simple would be mm -hmm. so helpful. But when you think about the fact that he was raised by Ruth and he's so much like her, it actually makes sense that he can only act that way because they're so, uh, you know, shut in, in a way their house. And we've talked about before the walls that mm -hmm. he has up and he can't like just be kind. It takes his brother, like telling him about his AVM diagnosis for him to like really start to like connect with Nate and like kind of just be not a dick to him like day in and day out. Um, it is really sad to see Ruth eat alone, but I agree with you. She could do something about it. And, here, and Dave, David is a 31 year old man and yes. he has eaten 89, 92% of his meals of his yeah. entire life with this woman. Mm -hmm. And he's tasted that pork chop. He does not want any part of that. He knows there's no tarragon and Sarah <laughs> left. There's no spices showing up in this food. Um, so, I mean, it's, and it is it like, it is sad that Ruth is dealing with this and that she's lonely, but like, I mean, Ariel, like we're grown up. Sometimes you eat a meal alone. Yeah. I live by myself now when Ruth was eating alone, I was like, girl, that's just living alone. Like, <laughs> I mean, just chew your food so carefully. Cause we saw what happened a couple episodes. Uh, I meant to Google the auto Heim. Like I have to Google this again. Like now I'm, I'm newly scared again, but uh, yeah, just Ruth, Ruth, Again, like choosing, she's the one in control, right? She's choosing to see it as a negative, not like, wow, I finally get to eat a meal alone after so many years of my kids being around. Instead, it's like, oh, I'm alone. And we know from previous episodes of like, she's, she doesn't want to be that ghost. She doesn't want to be that woman who you just mentioned who, yeah. who, you know, choked on her own food and nobody discovered her for almost a week. Um, she doesn't want to be a ghost in her own life. And it's hard right now. I think we've gotten used to seeing like Ruth make some kind of progress, even if it's like a little bit one step forward, two steps back with like the plan of it all. Like it, she's always like chasing something, which I think is its own thing, right? Of like, you have to distract yourself because you can't sit with just your feelings. Um, but I think the ending that we get of her singing this, if it had just been like another rude interaction between her and Claire, where I'm like, Claire, at least like ask her about her weekend. Like, I know that's not Claire's job, but like, I just want everybody to be nicer to each other. And then Claire is <laughs> hearing her mom sing. Like when Ruth looks at Sarah's songs, it's yeah, like, she probably has seen that tape before. I and know. Played it a bunch of times, unbeknownst to Sarah. Is how and I we, and we also get like a little bit of insight that there was a time when like when Ruth and Nathaniel probably like would have gone to Howl Weekend. Like yeah. God, Lord knows that like Ruth probably would have been like crocheting in the corner or whatever. But Nathaniel had his little rolling machine. Yes, Nathaniel oh, had his know. rolling machine. Like, like Sarah's friends know Ruth. So yeah. there's like a time and there was an opportunity for Ruth and Sarah to be part of each other's lives. And mm -hmm. it's like Ruth in large part shutting other people out that's probably put her in this position. So there's something like very tragic about the longing of like listening to that album when like yeah. listen, listening to that mixtape and like, you know, Claire says, I love this song. It's so pretty. Like this is such a haunting song. Like, like Joni Mitchell gets me even as the recovering child of boomer hippies. I can acknowledge <laughs> at least, at least You're that. You're still human. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think it's I think haunting is the perfect word for it because like the sing the song itself and then the extra layer of Ruth trying to sing it and like singing it not that well, even though I agree with you that you actually could. Sing but like how haunting the young version. That version is easier to sing along to. There you go. See? It, it all it all comes back around. Uh especially for Joni Mitchell, both sides now. Uh I love the like the extra haunting layer of Ruth singing it badly but like it doesn't matter because she has to get it out right yeah, like she has to yeah. get her truth out she has to get her emotion out and like at least in that moment there's like a glimmer of like yes ruth you're not just a ghost you have a voice yeah. even though you sound dumb sometimes you have a voice you should use it this is her singing fiercely from the fiercely eye. from the eye and the fact that like claire observes something that's like supposed yes. to maybe be private but like sees her mother's like vulnerability in this moment and this comes on the heels of what sarah says to her says to claire about how I think that your mother retreats and hides in herself because yeah. she's so afraid of us rejecting her. Ugh. So let's not. Like, so let's, let's not. not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that line. I'm so glad you brought it up. I think. And the way in which, like, she can know that as Ruth's sibling and it still be really hard for her to do something mm -hmm. about it because of the patterns that you and I always talk about with family, with sibling, siblings, mm -hmm. especially. Um, and it's, it's not, I mean, we know that Ruth does not make it easy, but between any sibling, there's so much history and it's never going to be easy. But I love that Claire sees that moment. Like you said, detective Claire, once again, she's mm -hmm. always, whether she realizes it or not, she's, she's an emotional like, detective. Yes. Like she knows. And she, and she is like, uh, she cares about her family. Even, even while she sometimes says that she doesn't, or tries to pretend like she doesn't. She is so keenly aware in a lot of ways of what like each member of the family is mm -hmm. feeling at any given time, even if she she's the youngest like you. She's the youngest. Don't talk about me like I'm not here. I didn't have a stairway, but I had hiding places. Um, <laughs> that sounds so ominous, but that's no, I mean, that's a good point, right? She's the youngest. So mm -hmm. she almost had like more reason to like that was a way in which she almost like survived everything that she went through. Oh, God, Claire, I can only imagine how unhinged ruth was when claire was a baby goodness um i guess we can very very quickly talk about rico there isn't yeah. too much to report but like rico's still a raging homophobe he's a homophobe is there any way this is my only point i i give him i dock him like 99 points but like there was, there is a way in which like this is bad to do it in someone else. Oh house. my gosh, no, it's fully unhinged behavior. Like to be like, I'm working on my cousin's house for like what is it like max like six hours, and right. I'm just gonna like get laid in the middle of the day. Listen, I gotta make it work for me. Okay. <laughs> and and he's like, and the, you know, Rico's implicate like this is, you know, he knows like Ramon is married and has kids. Like this is his family that yeah. he's now like. And it's like, and you know, Rico's like, my kids could have seen it. And he's like, no, Vanessa took the kids to the park. And I'm like, dude, like, yeah, like, like they could come back. They come back all the time. They're what gonna if they forgot a sippy cup? Like, what if, like, right. they... one of them fell? Yeah. 
No, it's fully, fully unhinged behavior. Um, and I did think that Rico was like really funny in this episode. Like the way he reacts, he's like, what the effity F? Like he just, yeah. his brain cannot compute, especially because he's been so afraid that Ramon is like moving in on his wife. Yes. This oh, whole time. The but subversion like for us as the viewer, the subversion for him. And it's like, oh God, no. Wait, but you were still having sex with someone. Oh, God, I don't want my... And then the homophobic side of like, I don't want my kids to see this. I mean, mm -hmm. to be clear, like, you don't want your kids to see anybody having sex in their own house where they shouldn't be subject to that. Um, but yeah, Ramon, not great. No. Uh, Rico, less great. Less great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, but I think I think Freddie Rodriguez is so funny as Rico. Mm -hmm. Like, even the way that he's like, yeah, I guess I'm just a big weirdo. For yes. Like that. that weirdo term was so telling for me, like the way in which like that gets mm -hmm. thrown around, especially by someone like Rico to talk about a gay person. And they're like calling him the weirdo. And he mm -hmm. in the way he answers, he's like, yeah. I'm the weirdo, not that weirdo who was doing that awful thing, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Um, Rico, I don't know. I do love more. Anytime there's more Vanessa, I'm going to be happy. I love uh, Machado is her last name. I can't remember her first name now, unfortunately, the actress. But uh, Vanessa's great, and I'm so happy that she's... Not having sex with Ramon. Yeah, that would have been that would have been tough for everybody. Um, yeah, I think that that gets us to the end of this episode, Ariel. Um, that we'll be back next week talking about season two, episode eight of Six Feet Under, the most wow. wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ooh. Wow. Just after the halfway point. Yeah, the very special point. holiday episode. So in the meantime, Ariel, where can people keep up with everything you're doing? What else do you have going um, on? I am on Twitter at that other Ariel. I'm covering movies every week with Grace, Pusher Recaps Theater, and also covering Masters of the Air, where people are also exchanging numbers, uh, the Apple TV Plus mm -hmm. World War II show, which actually had an amazing episode that I liked more than basically the entire season. Oh. Uh, what about you? Um, well, I am on Twitter where I am at Dr. Amanda R. That's the best way to keep up with everything I'm doing. And uh, I just wrapped up doing the recap of the final episode of True Detective. Speaking about the, our emotional detectives, there's two emotional detectives in True Detective. And Grace and I did our final recap of that. Um, so definitely check that out. And um, we will be back next week talking about season two, episode eight of Six Feet Under. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Until then, dear listeners, rest in peace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.